welcome Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Oh. And Zach Roland. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 3, Practically Perfect. On this episode, Harrison doubles in size, Maria Duola Kennedy becomes the new Margot Martindale of Wasted Talent, Deb can't speak Spanish, Dexter makes a murder omelet and trades a victim for a witness. What did you guys think of this episode overall? I didn't hate it. Um, I had some. Uh, I have some opinions, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it wasn't the worst thing ever. It was just kind of an episode of uh, stuff happening in this new plotline. I know we watched an episode. I mean, I watched it. I don't remember much about it. Nothing stuck out to me as being particularly interesting, but uh, we've seen worse. So This episode is fine. It's, it's not offensive. It's just kind of there. It, it's definitely not the worst one we've seen of Dexter and definitely not the worst one we will see. But uh, it's not memorable. I think this is the classic episode where there's... uh, Well, for one, we're finally back to Dexter's all by himself doing Dexter things again, which hasn't Mm -hmm. been the case for several years now. Um, And it... But I I do think it suffers from kind of the classic, um, you know, filler episodes, season two-esque, season three-esque episode format of... A whole lot of exposition for future episodes is done, and then there's a cliffhanger so that people will watch next week. Uh, it felt very much like a, if if uh, Dexter didn't find a woman in Boyd's house, like there would be really no reason to to be excited for next week's show if you're watching this in real time. That's what it is. Everyone has no <laughs> strong feelings about it. Yeah, well, it gets, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how we're going to talk about this episode. <laughs> I mean, there's some stuff I really want to talk about, but some of it would be spoilery. So can't go there. I know. <laughs> can't Beca- go there. because that's what this episode is. It's just like, ah. Well, it starts with Deb interrogating a woman, but it turns out that she's interviewing potential nannies. Harrison looks at least six months older than the last episode. So I I went and, and researched this, and actually it was last episode, Hello Bandit, that they recast Harrison in. So I didn't notice it last episode, but he is now played by two new twins. He's supposed to be ten months old. That's what the, uh, that's what the show tells us. You know, just in passing that he's 10 months old. But he mm-hmm. looks like he's over a year to me. What, what do yeah, you guys definitely. think? Yeah, uh, definitely. It was very clear that the, that it's been changed, that the child is, is a different child. Uh, it, and he did look a substantial bit older in this episode as well. Uh, was I Harrison in some of the last one, though? Because I thought I remembered him being in some of the last episode. Where was. I was talking about them flipping back and forth. Because this is the Harrison I remember, so I was confused by the other Harrisons. That makes sense. Yeah, um, he he was credited, or the the two children that play him are credited 
in the last episode. I didn't notice the size difference, maybe because they didn't focus on him as much. In this episode, they're all, like, because of the nanny and all that, like, there's a lot of focus on him. He's all smiley in different parts of it, and you, you get more of the uh, personality out of him, which babies don't have personality. Like, they have to get to, like, a certain point before they really start having their own sort of expressions and reactions and that sort of thing. So, um, he's, he's a toddler. He's supposed to be 10 months old, so I don't get it. Yeah. I think from a production standpoint, it's possible that they used footage from what they shot from last season that they had, if they had coverage. And then they also, they could have used that easily in this season. And then also from the new season had stuff and coverage from the new baby that they used earlier on. So we do get very confused with the two baby situation and it's just because they have this footage that they're like oh well this works here let's insert it here even though it wasn't shot in the same season or whatever that's a good point like maybe they shot uh maybe they shot dexter coming out of the house after he found rita or something like that like some of those sorts of Mm -hmm. things and they decided to cut it from the episode and then those those shots were reused in this but yeah and also like no time is supposed to have passed in the like over a year since season four ended in like real time. So in in film time, there's no way that the same baby from the fourth season could play Harrison in the fifth season because he'd be like 12, 16 months old at this point. Yeah. And the new one, I think, is like 12 or 16 months old. So I don't really get it. Like, he does seem to just, like, grow by double. I kind of want to go back. I think I'm going to go back after we're done to look at the preview or the first episode of the season. Um, no, I guess it was the second. When he's got the luminol and he's got Harrison in with the luminol. Because I think it's this Harrison. But I do mm-hmm. think he's yeah. much smaller and younger. Credits, so I think there was a big gap. Credits-wise. Right? I'm credits wondering wise, the difference in filming. Credits-wise, the new Harrison doesn't start until the second episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't be in the first. But yeah, if you yeah if you were talking about like the luminol scene, flopped. yeah, they kind of bounce him in there, and uh, yeah, and he's they they obviously found like really expressive twins that like are obviously like looking just off camera at something and laughing at it, and so yeah, I didn't <clears throat> I didn't notice it until this episode so i i had just assumed based off the start of the episode that we had jumped forward a couple months but then you find out that that's not really the case time doesn't play any factor in the dexter universe so it's fine (laughs) yeah yeah all right well, that's bullet point one. Uh, the <laughs> last nanny, Sonia, is impressive. She's played by Maria Doyle Kennedy. Uh, after Deb leaves, Dexter puts Harrison in a playpen and looks at photos of dead women in barrels. None of them look as desiccated as the one of the last episode. Uh, Dexter is still fixated on Boyd Fowler, the roadkill guy that left the latest barrel of dead women. At Miami Metro, they are watching ATM footage of the man who supposedly killed himself with a shotgun. Deb notices Angel and Masuka are beat up from last episode's barroom brawl. LaGuerta says, let's focus on the case, guys. Remember why we're getting paid. Why are they getting paid? (laughs) (laughs) 
question we've had all along. Uh, <laughs> what has Batista done to get a pay bump? Like ever? And it's just, he got. Uh, he got. Uh, he got. Uh, uh, stabbed. He got promoted, but like, what has he done to get promoted? I'm just, I'm just. I think he solved a case. I'm just shocked. Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> just one, just one just case one. is all you need to solve. Yeah, set the Miami Metro record for solved yeah. cases. <laughs> I mean, employee of the month, solved cases, it's easy. I guess you employee of the year. You solve a case. <laughs> Um, Deb and Quinn snipe at each other Batista and Deb decide to re-canvas the area where the woman's body was found LaGuardia takes Angel aside to ask about the fight the guy Angel punched was another cop Angel says he handled it Dexter and Harrison meet with the crisis counselor she says Harrison's too young for what he saw happen to Rita to affect him Dexter mentions a major trauma happened to him when he was three Counselor reminds him that T- Harrison is only 10 months. She urges him to take care of himself, do something for Dexter. So it's another... Be more concerned with the fact that he's double the size of a 10-month-old and see a doctor. <laughs> yes. It's a thyroid issue. Come on. Did you, did you pick up the wrong baby at daycare again? <laughs> <laughs> Get some blood work. Figure out what's happening. Uh, The blonde one over there, I guess. I actually like, haven't, uh, I actually haven't <laughs> seen my children much. You know, the other two, they haven't been seen in episodes. Yeah, while well, they're living with their grandparents. Yeah, this is just a, the, a writer's quick way of being like, remember, we got to tell them how long it's been so that they, they don't freak out when they see this giant baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still ridiculous. Like, I have two kids. I know what a 10-month-old looks like and does. Like, you're not taking your first steps at 10 months. Unless you're a serial killer, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Angel, Deb, and Batista are out re-canvassing with no luck. Quinn brings up how many days and hours it's been since he and Deb had weird floor sex. Batista... Who, Who knows? Down to the minute. Like <laughs> you got you guys don't count in between That's sexy only times as as Quinn says <laughs> I have an internal clock. Yeah, he sounds you like uh, my worst line. Wh- who, what's the name <laughs> for the people? <laughs> what's the name for the people who like have to have sex constantly? No. Yes. I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that is a word for it. It's the only one I know, but. <laughs> Yeah, the, cl- the sorry, the clinical term. <laughs> uh, they're sex addicts. Yeah, and they're nymphomaniacs. Sorry. Hey, that's what they call it, right? More of a euphemism. Have you ever, uh, mm-hmm. you ever had a nymphomaniac at your ward there, Brooke? At my what? At your ward. Have you ever taken care <laughs> well, of one? I go in homes, nurse? so I try to avoid <laughs> such things because I do home care. <laughs> So, you showed up and there was a nymphomaniac. Yeah. That's when I leave. That's, I hope I never come across that in my job. An old nymphomaniac. I I worked with a guy once who claimed to be a nymphomaniac, and I was just like, what? I mean, it just was such a weird thing to say to someone to be like, yeah, I constantly need to have sex. And you're like, 
Well, we're standing here right now, and you're not having sex, so clearly... <laughs> and I hope you you're not constantly. thinking about having it with me right well, yeah. now. Especially just... as a non-potential partner. Like, I yeah. need to have sex constantly, but not with dudes, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> this is fun, too. His, uh, his last name was Burner, which I was just like, well, that's apt for somebody who's a nymphomaniac, because they're just giving people the burn all the time. <laughs> That that is a much better story than we're being presented in yeah. the show. You, you <laughs> Can how we much, just talk about this more? You notice how much lollygagging we're doing in this episode? Okay. Yeah, guys. I could talk about working at Sonic all day long. <laughs> Sonic Nymphomaniacs. <laughs> Watch out for the Coney Dog, man. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we got a name. We got a name for that. Batista <laughs> um, tells them that the neighborhood is Venezuelan and they won't talk to a Cuban. I guess uh, he brings. He mentions bringing the uniform cop in who is Venezuelan. She says that the uni has been talking about Santa Muerte, except she pronounces it wrong. And Quinn starts laughing. Angel says it's Saint Death, not Saint Shit. Dexter checks in with the nanny, spotted by Boyd Fowler a few tables over. They point at one another. Dexter invites Fowler to join at his table and introduces himself as Daryl Tucker. Dexter asks if him if he likes his job. Uh, Daryl is looking for work. Fowler invites him on a ride-along. Can I just say that if Boyd wasn't such a creep, I would love this guy. I, he just seems like a fun guy to hang out with. He's great. You know... He's like he's like easygoing. If he wasn't such a like a terrible person, really, I would be like, yeah, you know, I'd I'd, I'd do improv with this guy. You a, know, a gif of those two pointing at each other from their tables. Yeah, that's like a perfect Mentos commercial. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Dexter uh, drives Boyd's patrol route, looking for a place to set up a kill room. He finds an abandoned tourist welcome center. Harry gives him shit for wanting to kill during the day. Dexter sets up the plastic sheeting and photos of the women in the barrels. Deb and the uni go to talk to one of her contacts in the Venezuelan neighborhood. They're taken into the back room. The uniform translates Deb's questions of the contact. The contact says that the dead man was a Catholic, so he was not in the Saint Death. The contact also claims not to believe in the uh, Saint Death stuff, but Deb points out his tattoo. The contact answers Deb in English this time, and he got drunk one night and he was there and he woke up. Deb is frustrated and the uni says that she should settle down. Deb tells the uni to come back the next day by herself and see if she can get any farther. Dexter? Um, I just want to point out the uh, the tattoo thing. Um, I should start using that as an excuse for my neck tattoo. <laughs> people always ask me about it. They're like, was that a choice? And I should just be like, I fell asleep and I woke up and there it was. Because uh, the real story is, is, is not any better. <laughs> There was this girl I really liked, and she wanted to practice, and so she got me really drunk, and then I woke up, and... Eh, you know, life is life. Um, I do want to mention on this part, too, Deb is really so douchey in this episode. I mean, she's really being an asshole anyway and then like I didn't like the line where she mocks the guy he says why you know speak Spanish she says me too busy making a living like you've yeah. been living around this community for a while 
I mean, I, I know that I don't expect the Deb to be the pantheon of class exactly, but she's just really being, uh, I can't think of any words tonight, but Racist. we'll just go with douchey. Racist <laughs> is a good choice. That's not the one I was going with, but yes, that. She's being condescending. Is what condescending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. That works. All out rude. Just rude. But yeah, racist is a good good choice a little bit, too. I mean, in isolation, this is like a really rude, bitchy, racist dub. I think that they were going for whenever she interacts with that uniform officer that they're supposed to like start out butting heads and then by the end of the arc, guess what? They're going to be friends. Um, but it is it is really weird because she's totally normal when that that woman isn't in the scene and when she is in the scene she's like totally back to being bastard deb weird so it gets stranger (laughs) well i think also too in the whole season thus far deb has kind of really just been shit on by the dexter situation and people living at her place and then Quinn and like she's she's got a lot going on and so I think like for even for my money Jennifer Carpenter is doing a better job at acting because now she has motivation which is everybody just constantly shitting on her and not giving her anything and so it's like I'm I'm happy to see like a Deb who's at least I don't know have something going on as opposed to Deb that's sort of just like limping through life or whining about something or whatever it was that she did in the first couple seasons yeah I understand Deb being annoyed that like Quinn won't shut up about having sex with her but that was her move like she can't she can't like claim that that's Quinn being a jerk because she started that that spiral well, if he wasn't a nymphomaniac, then you know, <laughs> they wouldn't be where they're at. It's called sex addict. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dexter arrives back at the apartment. Sonia and Harrison are missing. Dexter calls, but doesn't. She doesn't answer. Um, she suddenly walks in with a sleeping Harrison. She left a note on the fridge that Dexter didn't see. Laguerta and Angel get onto an elevator with Masuka. Masuka tells LaGuardia that Angel is a knight in shining armor and she should be polishing his lance. Angel successfully shuts him up with an angry look. LaGuardia asks Angel, as his lieutenant, what really started the fight. Angel says the guy called her a great piece of ass and a sugar mama. Angel says that uh, it does bother him a little bit that she makes more money than he does. Angel also tells her that it wasn't until the guy continued and said that LaGuardia gives the best blowjobs in Miami that Angel hit him, um, leading me to believe that Angel has never gotten a blowjob from LaGuardia. And that's <laughs> what really made him mad. So we're back to Sad Tista again? <laughs> I, would, I would actually like to coin a new one okay. today Excellent. if I could. I would like to coin officially LaGuista. LaGuista. <laughs> Yeah, it's La, it's La Guerta and Batista together. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that is another Laguista scene. Because uh, we're gonna yeah, have so many Laguista scenes, so, yeah. right? It, yeah, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like some sort of like horrible discharge, like something you would take <laughs> to the doctor. I have Laguista. <laughs> oh no! 
Uh, we have to see another linguista scene. I'm gonna shit myself, dude. You're gonna do that a lot this season. Obviously, linguista is the uh, worst, and it's constantly on screen. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and also, we got to see a new part of. <laughs> yeah, we saw a new part of Miami Metro too. We got to see the uh, the what's that entryway where they have the metal detectors. Well, we saw that when uh, Arthur oh. watched, walked in in season four. Yeah. But uh, I, I refuse to believe that uh, an Icy with uh, Cuervo <laughs> did not score him a blowjob. I just, I refuse to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Things could go so wrong, though, in that case with an Icy and Cuervo. And then, yeah, I don't know. That could go real bad, real quick. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it probably happened. Ugly things so, could happen there. So you're saying he didn't put salt around the rim <laughs> of his penis. Uh, and that's enough of that. Um, Angel <laughs> promises LaGuerta to keep the bar fights to a minimum from now on. Deb and Dexter check in with each other. Dexter mentions that Cody called for a pancake recipe, but Aster won't come to the phone. Deb encourages Dexter to get into a routine, which is advice that she got from Oprah. <laughs> so the kids still exist off screen. What a great way to make sure we knew that, that they still existed. What a failure of a child that can't make pancakes. No, he wanted he wanted Dexter's recipe, which if you read child speak, it was he wanted an excuse to call Dexter, yeah. so sure that his grandparents know how to like mix pancakes it's one of the easiest things in the world to do or they just got him instant pancakes and he's like <laughs> what is this bullshit <laughs> um dexter fakes a roadkill call on fowler's route and then jumps in for the ride along Masuka walks up. Like Dexter. <laughs> Nothing well, like Dexter. And then Masuka walks up behind him and sees just the sketches, and Masuka says, <laughs> Justin Bieber. <laughs> so they look as much like Justin Bieber as they do like Dexter. They look like a 10 year old <clears throat> Drew, then. Yeah. Yeah, like how old would Justin Bieber have been in this? What year was this season? 2010 is what Masuka says at one point, right? He says something about being 2010. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Yeah, and Bieber's like not even, what, 22? So mm-hmm. Bieber'd be like 12 or It would have been brand new Bieber. Yeah, right? Yeah, this might have been a 2011 season. I think the first one is 2007. Just said something. Yeah. It's I don't remember what he said. It's 2010. Nobody does something anymore, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, so. it was 2010. Okay. Yeah, uh, you're right. But yeah, definitely, definitely not a Bieber, not a Dexter at all, but also not a Bieber. <laughs> uh, Deb and or the uni tells Deb that she found out who bought the Saint Death icons. Two criminal types with thick accents. Deb's theory now is that the wife was held hostage and the husband was trying to withdraw money to pay a ransom. Deb and the uni go back to the contact at Saint or the, the contact's shop. Uh, he has been decapitated and laid out like the woman's head from earlier. A helpful cat is there drinking his blood. Uh, Dexter M99's Fowler who turns and shoots him with a trank gun Dexter says shit and collapses 
Fowler and Dexter wake up next to each other in the back of the ambulance. They fake the reason why they were both unconscious. Fowler tries to leave, but the EMT says he can't get out until they checked. Uh, they get checked out at the hospital. Fowler tries to keep an eye on Dexter while the doctor talks to him. As soon as he is alone, he pulls off the electrodes and heads to a supply cart, grabbing a massive blade. He opens the curtain to Dexter's room, and Dexter is gone. Fowler sneaks out of the hospital himself. What are you going to do, stab him in the hospital? Like... <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting insight. Also, uh, Miami General does not have great security, right along with Miami Metro. Well, like, they wake up in an ambulance. So clearly somebody found them, one holding a needle, the other <laughs> one with a train gun, and they're like, what happened Well, Dexter, uh, <laughs> Dexter figures out that they didn't find the hypodermic. Okay. Yeah, he does say that. But how would they not? I mean, didn't he still have it in his hand when he dropped? I don't remember. Yeah. 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 They would have you'd think they would have noticed because it just kind of basic, you know, skills. Yeah. It's really but also, people unconscious, you look for paraphernalia. Yep, yeah, and also who found him? Like, does it Fowler live alone? Well, they were on like that secluded route that Fowler takes that no one ever goes on. Like, that's the whole point of why Dexter was riding along with him. So, yeah. someone found them, and my guess is that uh, a drug addict found them and made off with the <laughs> hypodermic, thinking that there was something good in there. <laughs> Called it in because he was a good Samaritan, and then promptly shot himself up with the rest of the M99 and collapsed. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's that's a much better theory. story. It's the best case scenario <laughs> yeah. for how that could have gone, and it all adds yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, Quinn gets a call return from the FBI. He asks if he can show the Mitchells a photo. He won't give the FBI the photo to show because if Quinn's wrong, it will get him in massive trouble. Fowler arrives home and pulls a gun out of a cabinet. As he searches his house, the self-help CD starts playing, startling him. Dexter M99s him for a second time. Dexter calls the nanny to tell her he'll be running late. She doesn't mind. She says Deb is also working late. She tells Dexter that Harrison took his first step and was really proud of himself. Dexter gets a picture of Harrison standing up. LaGuerta is stopped from leaving Miami Metro by an internal affairs agent. He tells her that he's about to launch an investigation into Angel's fight with Lopez Agent tells her that Lopez collapsed on the job today and is filing charges. Further, there are claims that Angel kicked Lopez while he was on the ground, which would mean assault with a deadly weapon and could mean Angel could lose his job and or serve time. Uh, nobody cares about uh, Guista. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Fowler yeah, wakes up. Get over with. <laughs> just get what you sow. Fowler wakes yeah. up in the makeshift kill room in Boyd's house. Dexter has to describe the pictures since they're not there. Fowler says he did them all a favor, putting out of their misery. Um, as a side note, Dexter is wearing an apron that he got from Boyd's house that says Natural Born Griller. Dexter tells Fowler that this is the beginning of Dexter's healing process. He wants Rita back, but this will have to do. He stabs Boyd in the heart and nothing happens. Dexter still feels empty. There's some movement from outside the kill room through a grate in the door up to the next floor. Dexter opens it and finds a very dirty blonde woman. And I want to stress that she's a very dirty woman 
with blonde hair, not a very dirty blonde woman <laughs> on the staircase. Uh, this is Julia Stiles' character. Dexter puts the knife away and tries to convince her he's not a threat. She tries to run by, but he catches her in his arms. She promptly passes out, bloody lash marks on her back. Dexter realizes that she saw everything. She saw him kill. And then some dogs came along. Yeah, that'd be my house. <laughs> uh, pack of dogs. The, this, uh, this whole ending sequence um, is like one of those things where I don't know it wasn't too much tension and I mean we kind of figured it was coming what my opinion about this is is that I am glad that Dexter did not do the thing that he did with Miguel and try to like because initially in the episode when he like did the whole friend thing and the point across the table I was like shit he's gonna do the Miguel thing where he gets to be his buddy and he gets to know him so that he can make full sure that he's a killer or whatever. And I was like actually kind of upset with that. I was like, don't do that again, please. Yeah. And then he kills him. So this moment was a relief for me in terms that I was like, oh, thank gosh, they're not going to go this direction again. For the 10 seconds until you see Julia Stiles. <laughs> right. And then, yes. And then you see this thing and then you're like, God, just let her go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's not going to say anything, man. Like, she's in distress. You saved her. Yada, yada, yada. For all we know at this point, she could have been the crackhead that found him and called it in, you know? And she m 99 herself upstairs. <laughs> That's what she's doing. Well, also self-flagellating herself. She was like, yeah, I'm in a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this episode was directed by Ernest Dickerson, who directed nine episodes of Dexter went on to work for Once Upon a Time and The Walking Dead. The writer was Mandy Cotto. Uh, This is his first written episode. He was an executive producer for seasons 5 through 8. Afterwards, he went on to work on 24 Legacy um, and the 2018 season of American Horror Story. So what was the best line of the episode? I actually like the line by Deb where she uh, she gives this inspirational quote and Dexter looks at her and he, she's like, I'm capable of independent thought. I got it from Oprah. It was so good. I was just like, it's perfect. Okay. Mine's a, a, a twofer, I guess, uh, meaning it's two lines. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think... Uh, the Boyd guy says, you gotta be okay being around dead things, and then Dexter replies, shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. That was good. Struggled with the best line. I went the, um, I knew you were fucked up when I saw you, and Dexter says I was fucked up before that. I, I didn't, there was no, nothing stood out <laughs> to me. That's the best I got. Boyd also, uh, like, lifted that giant, like, splayed out skunk to Dexter's face and like Dexter wasn't like at all uh, reacting to it so he was pretty excited by by that yeah Um, how about the worst line of the episode the one where Deb tells that guy uh, because I'm busy making money but she says it in the worst way possible 
Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I picked too. Why you no speak Spanish? Me too busy making a living. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag that's pretty me bad. too busy. Me too right. busy. <laughs> I don't think that's the same. You know what? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's the same thing, Zach. <laughs> In uh, the uh, Chicky Hines, who we never saw, performance of the episode. I mean, you got, I think you got to give it to the, the woman who plays the nanny, right? Because you called it out earlier. I mean, she's so underused. It's like, what are you doing? She's a great nanny. <laughs> her, her whole character is her whole character is an Irish accent. <laughs> yeah, like they're just like, okay, um, let's get Mary Poppins, but we'll make her Irish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I didn't think there was anybody of value because nobody had anything of interest to do this episode. So, <laughs> by default, I guess her because this is so boring. This episode, <laughs> this like, episode was just like toast. I mean, that's all it was—just plain white toast. I, it really was to the point that I almost gave it to Julia Stiles. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah, I had that struggle. Mm-hmm. But um, I gave it to the guy who played Boy Fowler. Yeah, I think that makes a little yeah, bit yeah. more sense. That's someone who's in like one and a half scenes. But uh, yeah. yeah, that'll do it. Goodbye, season five, episode three. Uh, we hardly liked. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, you guys, for helping me out. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Dexter.